Hey there, and welcome back to this series on content stacking, which is all about being a prolific content creator, how to get the most you possibly can out of every topic you cover. Now, if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, you know that I am Colin Gray and I'm covering for Paul on his summer break just now. I'm the founder of thepodcasthost.com and Ally to the Podcast Maker app. And usually I just teach people about making a podcast. But this time around, we're going into the wider world of content. Content stacking is all about how to get blogs, podcasts, videos all out, all together in a really efficient way and get something out every single week that covers all of the mediums and does it in a way that's really easy, really efficient, and actually leverages every one of those platforms in the best possible way. Now, in the first episode of this season, this series, I covered what the stack is, how it's put together. Uh, So if you want to have a bit more information on what stacking really is, how it works in terms of what text does for you, what blogging does for you, what video does for you, and what podcasting does for you, pop back and listen to that episode and you'll hear how I believe it all meshes together to help you grow your business, grow your audience, grow your sales, everything you need to run that business. Second episode was all around how to actually create that stack. So how then you plan out a content topic, which turns into a blog post, videos, podcasts, and much more than that as well. Something you can use just about everywhere. And how to use those mediums to their best. So text has a really different intention um, from video. And video has really different advantages to audio. And why I think you should be doing all three and how I think they tie together. Now, on this third episode, what I want to go into now is something that Paul does really well, actually, and something that we advise pretty much all of our new podcast clients to try, at least in the early days, if not forever. And that is all about seasons. So, I mean, now you know how to create that content stack. You get so much more from every piece of content you create. Next, the seasons approach, it's going to amplify that through the wonder of thinking bigger, (laughs) killing the idea of one-off content. Now, seasons for me are not just a tool for fiction or documentaries. I think they can work for everyone. They can make it easier for you and they can make your content more effective for your audience. And I think that combination leads to quicker growth, bigger reach for your company, for your brand, for your content, and even more fans of the work that you do. So, Usually how I start this is really thinking about, I mean, what what do you think is the hardest part of creating content on a regular basis? The answers that often come up, and I'm sure you're thinking it right now, is a few things. So coming up with ideas is a really common one. How do I come up with a new topic every single week? How do I think of something new to write about every week, to read it, to podcast about, to, to create a video about? How do I do that every single week? Well, I'm not run out of things to do, things to talk about, things to say. Well, seasons can be a solution to this. The other one that often comes up is staying motivated. So <laughs> it's a common thing, you know, you start a blog, you start a podcast, you start a video a channel. And you put out your first podcast episode, say, and you think, right, that's my first podcast episode out. Right. So I'm going to do this on a weekly basis and I'm going to do that forever. 
<laughs> and suddenly the motivation dies. Suddenly you think, what am I doing? This is terrible. Uh, and, you know, 20 weeks in, 40 weeks in, a year in, you've been doing it every single week relentlessly. And it just grinds you down. It, it feels like you're on a treadmill. You're just trying to keep up, get this stuff out and really... You know, it's said that consistency, that regularity is the way to grow fans. And I believe that's true. But I believe that Seasons is a way to bring in that consistency, to be regular, but also stay motivated for a whole bunch of reasons. And I'll go into why that is uh, throughout this episode. The other question I think relates to this is what do you think is the hardest part of creating fanatical fans? You know, creating those people that really enjoy the work you do, guiding them up that engagement stack so they engage with you, they communicate with you and they grow to trust you and really like the work that you do. What's the hardest part of that? I think the answers that often come up for this are getting them to read the next thing. That's the first thing. You know, quite often you can be found. So SEO, writing good content, all these different ways, uh, are all these different things are ways of helping people find you. So they find you in the first place. They come across that first blog post, that first podcast episode, that first YouTube video. The hard part is getting them to go on and read something else, watch something else, listen to something else. Seasons helps with that a great deal. And that makes a big difference in how many of those first casual visitors you convert into fanatical fans of your work. And that's related too to the regularity piece as well. Keeping them coming back week after week. So how do you get somebody to listen to that first podcast episode, read that first blog post, but then next week they come back and read another one. They think of you again, again, Seasons can solve this. So we'll go into that through this season as well. So I believe that seasons, this series, you know, using these and not just on a podcast as Paul does. So Paul does podcast seasons really well. He can put together a season in a great way. We do it on podcast. We do it in a lot of our shows. A lot of people do that now, but more underused, I believe, are a blog series a series of blog posts that tie together, that go through a topic in depth. Similar with YouTube, you'll get a series of videos that go into a topic, building on it episode by episode. So that's what I want to talk about today. So to get into how a season works, let's look at, I want to just quickly tell you how I first got into seasons. It was when I was creating my first podcast. It was more like a course. So I created PodCraft. PodCraft is our podcast on how to podcast. And I was teaching this back at uh, Edinburgh uh, Napier University in 2007, 2008. I was teaching lecturers how to podcast so that they could use that audio to teach their students. So I created that first podcast as a series of 10 episodes that guided those lecturers through how to create a podcast. So it was a little bit meta, but uh, episode by episode, first one was how to plan it out. Second one was how to get the equipment together. Third was how to script your episodes. Fourth was how to hit the record button and get our episode recorded. So it was a course, but in the form of a podcast. You know, you had a five or 10 minute episode that built onto the next episode that built onto the next episode. That's how I thought about it because... I was a teacher and I thought about teaching in that way. You know, you you do it as a series. The feedback that I got from that was that they really enjoyed it. They got a lot from it. They, they learned and the action, they actually did something with it because it was coming out every single week that they just kind of built on that. You know, they learned really effectively building episode upon episode, concept on concept, actions every single episode so that it was pushing them forward just that little tiny bit every time. <laughs> 
Now, it was only later when I got into podcasting more widely outside of education, when I tried other methods, the standard podcasting methods, only then did I realise really how good the engagement was with PodCraft, with the way we did it back then. And there's a few reasons for that, but one of the main ones, I think, and again, this is thinking like a teacher, is the whole idea of the, the random path that podcasts usually follow. I mean, imagine you turned up for your first day at uni. You're studying something like physics, which unfortunately, what I chose back in the day, unwisely, but anyway, escaped that. Uh, But that's your chosen topic. This is what your timetable looks like, say. So you turn up nine till 10, you're doing uh, introduction to adding up. And then 10 till 11, you're studying advanced quantum mechanics. And then 11 to 12, you go into the two times table And then 12 to 1, you've got general theory of relativity. And imagine it went on like that. You'd be a bit put out, wouldn't you? The levels are all mixed up. You know, the subjects are completely just out of order. Not least that you're being taught the two times table at the age of 18. But it just doesn't make sense. You know, there's no structure there. There's no thought. There's not much chance of you learning a lot. And that's what your average podcast does. It jumps from topic to topic, completely across the board of whatever they talk about. It goes from beginner to advanced and back again. Usually this approach, it just doesn't give the listener the best chance to learn. Instead, think what they do in school or college or university. You you design lessons that lead from one to the next. You know, you come to one lesson, the next one builds on that. It maybe summarises the previous lesson and then grows it. You build foundations and then you expand upon that. And that's what you do when you take on the, the season's mindset. It's thinking like a teacher. It's thinking about the best way you can help your audience. And I think it's pretty simple. You know, you just, you start with an idea. You take that concept and you just start to break it down really deeply. You take something like, so say one of our subjects is how to uh, choose your podcast equipment. So I could do one episode on podcast equipment, cover the whole thing, but instead I'm going to break it down. First episode will be how to choose your podcast microphone. Second episode will be how to choose your recording device. And that builds on the previous one because the microphone plugs into the recording device. Third one will be how to choose your editing software because maybe you're going to plug your microphone into the recording device, which then records into the editing software. So it builds step by step, one on top of the other. And that's how you plan it out. Quite often for a season, all I'll do is I'll sit down for half an hour or an hour at the start of that season period. I'll think about the topic and I'll start jotting down bullet points. So say that podcast equipment one, you've got microphones, recorders, software, apps, uh, maybe cover mixers as well. Maybe we'll cover, uh, you know, planning tools for it as well. So maybe I'll end up with six episodes for that one. Maybe that won't be a very long season. That's a month and a half, say, if I'm putting that out once a week. Otherwise, I've gone much longer in the past as well. I've gone up to, you know, 12 or 16 episodes Um, I think in fours just because of months. You know, you think you put together four episodes, eight episodes, that's two months. Twelve episodes, that's three months. Sixteen episodes, it's four months. So I tend to think in months, although you don't have to at all. Really, your season should just be the number of episodes it takes to break down that topic 
into its constituent parts. So each episode is covering just one question, one problem, one solution, and then just see how many episodes you need to cover that topic in depth using that format. So you've got those bullet points, you've got all of those episode titles once you've broken them down. Then I'll spend maybe half an hour just putting some meat on the bones. You know, I'll just put in maybe five to ten bullet points inside each of these. Uh, these are sub bullets, which will be, so the microphones one I want to cover, right? How do we choose a mic? What's the difference between a USB mic and an XLR mic? What's the difference between a dynamic mic and a condenser mic? Where would you use each of them? What are the contexts? So I start just putting down some bullet points that prompt those ideas. I don't tend to write full scripts for this stuff at this point. This is just uh, an outline that I'm going to build on, okay? Um, and we talked uh, on the previous episode around how I do that a little bit more as well in terms of, you know, how you sort of plan out the episode, how you then create it based on either recording first or writing first. I'll use this outline for that. Okay, but anyway, at the end of the season planning, I'll have maybe, you know, 12 episodes, uh, titles all in front of me, and I'll have a little bit of meat on each episode as well. So then we're just going to use that plan to record the content like we talked about in the last episode. This gets around that first problem we talked about, you know, coming up with ideas, because if you've got your whole season planned out, suddenly then you turn up on Monday morning in front of your microphone or in front of your keyboard or your video camera and you just go, right, what have I got to record today? You pull out the plan, the season plan, and you see the next episode that you've got to record. And it's just there. It's all planned out ahead of time. A one hour planning session, even less sometimes. If you know it well, you can do this in half an hour. But say one hour maximum planning session and you've got a whole season's worth, three months worth of content, say, if you do 12 episodes planned out in advance. All you have to do is sit down and record it at that point. Now, there's a bunch of bonuses to this, so a bunch of benefits. So let's go through them all. First of all, planning. So like I said, you plan it all at once. There's no scrabbling around on a Monday morning, like planning an episode. You've got that plan in place. That's the main one for me. I've already covered a fair bit of that. So planning, that is a big one. Your one planning session for a whole few months worth of content. Motivation. We talked about that earlier as well. That's one of the biggest questions. How do you stay motivated? With seasons, I stay motivated for a few reasons. First of all, you're working towards quite a solid goal. Okay, so you've got 12 episodes, say, Take that as the example. Working towards three months worth of content. I'm working towards the end of that 12 episodes, which feels like quite a big milestone. You finish this season, season seven, say. I'm finishing my 12 episodes of season seven. Once that's complete, I've got this big chunky bit of content out there about podcast equipment and it's finished. And that's like, it's, it's just something that you can kind of put a flag in and say, I did that. That was a good big bit of work and it's done. Building on that, Extra motivation for the fact that you're going to now take a break as well. So you can take maybe four weeks off. Right now, Paul's taking a break of two or three months. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's the whole summer. <laughs> so he's getting a good long break right now because he does seasons. And any time that you finish a season, you can choose to take a bit of time off. And that really does help with motivation because you're not on that treadmill anymore. You're not just running to keep up. You can take four weeks off, eight weeks off, even three months off. Now, often people say, do you not lose audience members when you do this? Well, actually, I don't think you do. We've done this many, many times. Paul's the same. As long as you're clear 
This is the key. As long as you communicate, as long as you tell your audience, right, okay, we're going to take a break now. We're going to take three months off. We're going to take a month off. Here's what's coming at the end. You know, we're going to come back on June the 2nd. We're going to come back on August 1st and we're going to be back with this topic. Okay. I think as long as you communicate really clearly what's happening, why you're away and when you're going to be back, you do not lose much of an audience at all. Now, particularly thinking of media here when you're talking about that. So that's in a podcast season, a video season where people do think of it as being a regular thing. If it's a blog series, you don't necessarily have to tell people you're taking a break. You can just take a break. You can just say, right, I created a series of eight blog posts. That was a good bit of work. That was a lot of text content put onto our website. Great search content there. We're now going to not write anything for a month because we want to concentrate on something else or we want to plan for the next blog series. So a few different ways to approach it there, but definitely it's more motivating. Being able to take that break, working towards a goal just really helps me. Now, batching is another benefit here. So if you plan out, say you plan out eight episodes, 12 episodes, you can actually batch write them, batch record them. Uh, and it just makes you, certainly for me, it makes me much more efficient. I can get stuff done really quickly if I've got a batch of things to do. So if I've got to record podcast episodes, for example, I can record, I've found over the years, I can record about four episodes in a row while keeping the quality high. If I go to five or six, I tend to start losing energy. I get a little bit weary. I maybe don't give my best work on those uh, fifth or sixth, but I can do four and a chunk really well. So that's a month's worth of content. If I have, say, 12 episodes planned ahead, I can record four of them at the start of the month and that's me got my month done. And then, you know, if we're following the content stacking approach that we talked about in the last episode, maybe I'll write those four blog posts the next day as well. I'll just spend a morning writing them out. Because I've just talked them all through, you'll be quite efficient at writing them. When you get into that writing groove, you can just bash them out there, you know, write 2,000, 3,000 words, break it up into four blog posts, suddenly you've got your month's worth of content all done. Batching just leads to really efficient work. I've seen people do uh, eight, 12 episodes in one batch. I can't do that. But if you're out there, if you can do that, then by all means, you can get it all done. You can get three months worth of content done all at once. Now, one of the biggest benefits of seasons so all of those ones, really, that planning, the motivation, you know, the batching, that's all benefits for you. One big benefit for your listeners is that it gets them hooked. It keeps them coming back um, and it gives them much more success. So like I said, people just learn more effectively when they're building little bit by little bit. You know, you're building on those foundations um, and it just encourages people to come back every single week. So that was the other one, the problem we talked about at the start. How do you create those great fans? How do you turn those casual browsers into regular subscribers or regular readers or regular watchers? And this is how you do it, because you make the content link together. You know, they listen to the first episode and you say, right, that was the first bit of this season. Next episode, we're going to build on this by doing that. And they go, oh, there's a good reason to come back now. Instead of just skipping the next episode because I'm a bit busy, I'm going to make the effort to listen to that because I can see the benefits of it. So listeners get hooked in. They listen to the whole season. They keep coming back week after week after week. And when they do that, that's what pushes them up that engagement stack. They engage with you more. They become fans of what they do. That's how, for me, you create fans of your brand, creating that regular interaction and that success, you know, 
If they learn more effectively, they get more success from it and therefore they like you more, they become bigger fans of what you do. A couple more benefits, evergreen resources. So evergreen resources is a big part of this too in terms of you create these big chunky evergreen pieces of content. So a season on equipment, for example, six, eight, ten episodes on podcast equipment. I can point people towards that and they go, whoa, this is great. This is like ten episodes on how to choose my podcast gear. This is a chunky bit of work. This person knows their stuff more so than if I just send them to one blog post on podcast equipment. I could create a great blog post on podcast equipment, but it's never going to create the same sense of, you know, credibility, um, authority as a big chunky bit of evergreen content, uh, which is more than one element. Now, if you do this around blog um, posts as well, imagine you have a series of, say, eight or ten blog posts around one subject. You go so deep on this, you cover it over three, four, five thousand words, say, eight separate blog posts. You point people towards that. That is a huge bit of work. People will be very impressed with that. Lots of credibility, lots of authority. Evergreen, you'll point people towards that forevermore. People will ask that. You should be choosing, obviously, questions that people ask you. So if people ask you this question, you write a series about it. And then next time somebody asks you that question, you go, oh, great question. Give them a quick summary and then point them towards that series. And they'll be impressed. It's just, it's this great chunky bit of work that just makes you look great. It also helps, obviously, with all the side benefits like search rankings, like a massive bit of content like that helps you be found, helps you look better uh, in the eyes of the search engines, all that kind of stuff. So it's great stuff putting these big chunky bits of work together. Now, uh, the final one that I'll go into is this sort of the idea of evolution, of incremental improvement. Now, this is something that ties in with the season breaks idea. So every time I finish a season, I'll do one of a couple of things. First, I might just ask for some feedback. I might say to people, right, we're going to go on holiday. <laughs> so we're going to be off for the next four weeks. Please do get in touch during this four weeks. The thing that I will be doing is keeping on touch on social, on email. Please get in touch and let us know what do you like about the show? Do you like this element? Do you like that element? Do you like the way we do this segment? Um, do you like the topics we've been covering? What do you not like? What do you want us to cover in future? All of this is, you know, the end of the season is a great opportunity to kind of motivate people to get in touch and let you know what they think, give you their feedback, find out what's working and what isn't, and then evolve on it. So evolve the show. Again, the season's break is a great excuse to change things up. Often when people are doing a podcast every single week or a blog post every single week, video every single week, they're, they're doing the same thing every single week. Partly because you're in this routine, uh, if you're doing something every week, you're obviously in a routine, so you might end up doing it the same way every week without thinking, but partly because you don't have time to stop and think, like, what is working? What's not working? What should I change? Because you're just jumping into it. You just have to do it every single week. Taking that break, you get the feedback from the listener, and then you've got a great excuse, right? Season eight, what we're going to do is quick fire questions. We're only going to do three minute episodes, but we're going to do them three times a week. And we're going to try that for the next 10 episodes because that's season eight. Or season nine, or we're going to do interviews this season. Usually we're a co-hosted show or usually we're a solo show, but actually I'm going to do a series of six interviews with people in the industry. And it doesn't mean I'm going to have to interview forever. It just means I'm going to do six and then I'm going to probably change it again for the following season. So evolution based on listener input. Ask them what they think of the show. Get feedback. 
And that second thing I do is ask them what they want to hear about next. I mentioned that already actually, but that is the other thing that I might do. So the feedback is one, but actually getting feedback, uh, sorry, getting input on what we should do in the next season, that would be the other. Okay, so say to people, right, what do you want to hear next? What is going to be on the next season? And you know what? If you get feedback from people, if a lot of people get in touch, say you get 30 people get in touch and and five or six of them ask for, uh, say for us, it would be how to create a podcast website. If I then create the next season based on how to create a podcast website, they really buy into that. You know, you get those six people um, that are like, oh, I chose my topic. This is brilliant. And they buy into it even more. They tell their friends. It's word of mouth. It all goes out there. They help you share it, all that kind of good stuff. So <clears throat> getting that listener buy-in is excellent. Letting them have a bit of input on the show is great. Um, and even the people that don't get their topic chosen, you might choose them in future. Or even the fact that you've consulted them and you tell those ideas. Maybe you say that on the first episode. So here are the ideas we had. We had podcast websites. We had um, how to choose your gear. We had how to launch a new show. We had how to turn it into a video, all that kind of stuff. And they'll hear themselves mentioned. So it's that little bit of listener input that just builds a little bit more engagement. They know you're listening to them. They have a little bit of control and that helps them buy into the show just a little bit more. So that's all the benefits for me of seasons. I hope I've sold you on it. You know, makes it easier for planning, makes it more motivational. You can take a break. You can batch those recordings. There's listeners get really hooked in. They listen more regularly. You're creating these evergreen resources and you have the chance to do that incremental improvement, you know, that evolution. So my challenge for you here is think about your topic. Think about your niche. Think about the most obvious questions that you get asked. We talked a little bit about this on the previous episode, but now I want you to break it down much more. I want you to take that big question and break it down into four, eight, 12 topics and then plan out that season based around that. What are the most obvious subtopics within that? Plan a whole season and see how long that takes you to come up with that plan. Now, just before we finish up, I want to go into just a couple of extra things, which are sort of extra bonuses of working with seasons. This is kind of level two. Um, a few things you can do with a season that give you a lot more value that if you start working with seasons on a regular basis, you can do with that content. This is where it gets really interesting, actually. And I tr I've trialed a bunch of these techniques over the past few years. Many have worked very well. Some have, some have not in some contexts, but some have worked really well. Um, and I'm sure that it's very dependent on your topic, on your on your sector. Uh, so I'll go through them all, let you, let you see what you think. Um, so first thing is, if you've got a season of blog posts, so see you've got uh, six, eight, ten blog posts, one of the great things you can do with this is turn it into an ebook. So I have um, two of our series, for example. In fact, I think I've got more than that now. Um, I'm sure we've got three or four. So we've written a bunch of series on the blog over the years, maybe seven or eight or nine or so, um, big chunky series. And at least half of them we've turned into eBooks and stuck them on Amazon. So a few of them are on there for free, just gaining visibility, growing authority. But a few of them are on there paid as well. So people are paying for an ebook based on a series of blog posts. And we um, are very clear about it. Like this, I'll say on the back of the book in the description, this is a series of blog posts from thepodcasthost.com, um, but with an all new introduction, maybe some extra tasks. So we add maybe a couple of things, but actually people are just paying for the convenience 
it's a really easy way to read that series of blog posts. They can stick it in their Kindle, they can stick it in their iPad, they can read it elsewhere. So they pay for the convenience, even though the content is really free, technically free elsewhere. So like I said, it can lead to a bit more visibility. Uh, it can lead to people signing up for your email list if you have a lead capture in there, but also it can lead to a little bit of extra income. Maybe you charge a couple of pounds for that um, or even more. It depends how much content you put in there. Similarly, you can do that uh, with podcasts. So a couple of our seasons of PodCraft, we've turned into audiobooks. So I've taken a season, maybe 8, 10, 12 episodes. That can be, you know, 6, 8 hours worth of content. And I'll turn that into an audiobook. And I'll either stick it as a, on the website as a lead generator. So people have to give us their email addresses to download it. Or um, I'll put it on Audible. I've got one or two of our seasons on Audible. And we actually sell them as well. And again... It's making it a more convenient way to consume it. Maybe you'll add a couple of bits, you know, bonus content, which makes it really worth the, the extra money. But actually people will pay for the convenience of having it in one place and in a really easy to access way. Taking videos now, so that's blog posts and podcasts. Taking videos, if you create a video series of say eight videos teaching somebody how to do something, you can turn that into a downloadable package. Maybe it's even suitable for something like um, Udemy or a video course that you put onto your website. Uh, you could make that free to access. Again, it could be a lead magnet, take an email to get to access to it, or it could be paid. You could actually make it so they have to pay to get it and you add the value by putting in some tasks or something like that. Or something we've done well in the past is turning links to a series into an email course. So I'll create, if I've got, say, eight blog posts, which all have a good bit of content in each, maybe a task at the end, that kind of thing, maybe I'll put the summary of the blog post in an email and the task as well, and then that's the email course, and they link to the blog post. So people then sign up to the email course, they get the summary, they get the action, they get the task and they get a link to the content and they get that maybe once a week or once a day or something like that. I turned season one of PodCraft into a five-day email course, for example, and we got quite a lot of signups for that, grew our email list pretty well. And it's just really using your content in a different way. And because it's a season, it makes it really easy to do that. Now, final one is you can collate all of this together and suddenly you've got a proper full-scale course that you can sell. Now, I mentioned that about Udemy, just videos, but really, if you're going to create a proper course, it tends to be text, it tends to be video, it tends to be audio, and some how-to as well. So say you take um, a series of blog posts with related podcasts, with related videos, you stick that all inside a course platform like like Teachable or Podia or something like that, then you add a good bit of how-to. So you add maybe three, four, five videos which really go in-depth on how to do something. Then you've got something which is, you know, this content is available elsewhere for free. That's the why though, but you're charging for the how. The how-to is what costs money. And that can be an extra revenue generator as well as an authority builder as well. If you have a top-level course on a particular subject, that builds authority in that area. Even if you're repurposing free content and just adding, you know, screencasts, demos, tasks, homework that really add that kind of that actionable value. So the season's approach, it really, like I said, it leads to all sorts of larger possibilities around repurposing, all of which can lead to even higher engagement, you know, even more authority, and even onto those sellable products that I talked about. 
Okay, so just to tie up, um, what do we do now? <laughs> so last episode, we took, we, we took a content idea, we broke it into segments. Um, this time, we're going to break it into topics, okay? So last time, like I said, broke it into segments on your episode. Now we're going to break it into separate topics, which actually are an episode each. So take a common question in your niche, like I said, break it down. See how many episodes you can get out of one of the big questions in your topic. Create a bullet point list around this. Okay, each bullet is an episode like I described, and then you put a few sub bullets into each one that outline the contents of that episode itself. So my challenge is create at least a four episode series and do the full content stack. So that'll be a month's worth of content and it'll be a lot of content as well because it'll be podcasting, video and blogging. Okay, so make that outline. You're going to break down one of your big questions, four bullet points in each. You're going to have a little bit of content. From there, you then record the podcast episode or you write the blog post and from whichever one you go, you do the opposite. You then record the podcast or the blog post. <laughs> and then you create the videos, you edit that down, you get the quotables out there. Go back again, episode two of this season, to get the full detail on that. Okay, just to mention, if you want to make any of that editing easier, obviously, uh, I mentioned I run Alitu, the podcast maker app. Uh, it helps you to edit out your podcast really easily. So if you do want to repurpose your video into a podcast episode, uh, you can upload a video or you can upload the audio and we'll process it all. We'll make it sound great, polish it up, noise reduction, all that stuff. We'll add your music to it, let you piece together all the different sections. You can record an interview, plus you can upload intros and outros. You can record directly in there. All that's available in Alitu and it'll help you publish straight to uh, your podcast host as well. And of course, if you do want more information on content stacking as well, you can go to our website, uh, which is thepodcasthost.com forward slash stack. And you'll find the full content stacking series there, as well as all our other how to podcast content. So that's episode three tied up. I'm going to come back with one more episode to tie up this series, which will be a bit of a sum up, but also a set of resources. I want to give you some things to go away with uh, from equipment to software and a few other things that'll help you actually deliver all of this. So what you'll actually use to create your content to get it out there into the world. So I hope you can join me again for that final one. And I'll just say thanks again to Paul for having me on the Boag World podcast. Thank you to you as well for listening, following along. I hope you're getting a lot from it. I hope you can start to create more content, build up that stack, build those fans of your brand. And we'll continue that with one more episode. I'll see you then. Oh,